teach me how to play the guitar, including no. yourself, it does not go well. Everyone gets annoyed that I can't learn it. particular reason or you just want to. I just I like it. It's yeah. like a tough song. So uh-huh, it's like uh-huh. helping me like get better. Are you trying to enter the world of like singer songwriter now? Is that now that you live in a barn and you're carrying deers around your car? It's just easy. It's like it's too easy. All this time trying to like ri- rid yourself of that so it's just interesting like that you're so heavy, like I know. the opposite direction. No, I love it. I'm back to the roots. It's great. It, they're great roots, you know. It is. It's true. No. Yeah. I like. I do like kind of bluegrass stuff now. I even like Grateful Dead. I was gonna ask you right now. Next logical question. I was gonna ask you. Oh. What do you when you say Grateful Dead? That like how far? How like deep are we talking? Are you talking about casual Grateful Dead listening? Or are we talking about like you've like surrendered? <laughs> 
Um, it's casual. It's okay. casual. It's not, it's not everything. It's like a little like American beauty. And stuff like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's pretty casual. That's great. I do have an appreciation for it, and I used to not That's sick. care for it whatsoever. I went to this church recently for this, like, gospel singing night. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> and they were, there were these guys and this one, like, female lead singer, and they were playing, like, traditional bluegrass hymn-style stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, totally acoustic with, like, mic set up around them. Mm-hmm. So when they would solo, they would, like, step up to the mic, like, really old-school style. Yeah. Like, it was phenomenal. Yeah. Some of the best music I've heard, like, in years. It was definitely the best music I've ever heard in church. Uh-huh. That's cr- I was gonna I couldn't believe that I don't believe it was Caucasian but I mean if you're yeah, saying no, I feel like I should take you at your word but that's really wild. It's like that's the tradition that you know that we got. Yeah. Can be so bad sometimes. I remember that so was your see. big like that was kind of your biggest anti-church thing was that you couldn't stand the music. Really? Yeah, you used to say that a lot. You're like I couldn't go to a church because I can't stand the music. Wow, I don't remember saying that. Yeah, that's true. You, yeah, you used to say it a lot. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. I go to a Lutheran church, so it's all hymns, and it's like, okay. like Lutheran church. It's like diet Catholic, I guess. Okay. You never been to a Lutheran church? I've never been to one of those things. They're like, I mean, they like let all the animals in for the blessing of the animals. They, I mean, we have like homeless people hang out at our church all the time. Animals coming. Dogs, cats. You could bring other animals. Most people don't. The Saint Francis blessing of the animals. Have you heard of this? No. The Saint Francis, like who the Pope took his name after. Um, and the entire order of the Franciscans is named after. He okay. was, like, a wealthy dude back in the olden days. Okay. And he, responding to the word of Christ, he was like, oh, I'm supposed to give all this stuff away. Uh-huh. And so he went to be, like, a man of the earth. And I'm surprised you don't, like, you're not, like, you don't, like, know about uh, this. Because this is, the... yeah. So th- there's, Richard Rohr is a really good uh, person, if you're interested <laughs> You got some literature for me? Literally, <laughs> um, he just has a new book out called Universal Christ. This one is I'm not that. Richard Rohr, eager to love. It sounds super cheesy, but the thing is, the message is cheesy. It doesn't make it bad, you know. I don't want that kind of stuff. Um, but but Saint Francis literally like gave away all his riches, and he went to be with the with the earth and with the people, and mm-hmm. saying like nothing ha- nothing living has more value than anything else. Interesting. So he was all about caring for the animals. So on St. Francis's Day, which is really only practiced, I guess, because he's a saint, in anything that responds to the Catholic order, uh-huh. he they have, like, dogs and cats come to church, and they bless the animals. What? Yeah. But if your cat won't come to church, you can also send a picture. Clarissa's not uh-huh. welcome because she's Satan, so. She's not allowed to come in. No, she's like, it's not that she is Satan. She clearly worships the Dark Lord, though, so she's not. It's just yeah, not a good it's combination. Not a good <laughs> no. But there's usually a lot of, like, golden retrievers, and they're always smiling. They're like, <sighs> and they get, like, a sacrament and stuff. It's pretty tight. They get a little cracker. Um, it's probably a dog treat. I'm not sure. It's like a plus dog treat. I'm not sure. It's like dorky. I go a lot. A I would lot. not say I go every week. And they, they do the, like, peace shake thing. That's my favorite part. Or you have to go around, you have to, like, peace with you, and also with you, uh, peace okay. with you, peace Just with you. Just handshakes? Yeah, and no hugs. hugs. You can do hugs? You can do baby, baby peace, that's my favorite, okay. and the babies want to shake hands. Aww. You can do, like, baby high fives, but that's nice. for peace, peace vibes. Peace. Mm-hmm. I think peace is the answer to all this. Well, that's the message, is, like, you go up to any person in that room, like, you don't have to know them. They don't, you don't necessarily have to engage them after church, either, like, 
you just go and you just give them some like genuine like Christ like love. Two seconds, and that's over. Mm. That's dope. Nice. I think that's sick. So, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, that's that's it about the. Okay, that's cool. I haven't, I've been to church recently in Oakland, maybe a few months ago, but I haven't found a like consistent place I want to go to. But that's one of my goals when I get back is to really like dive more into the spiritual life. That's the one consistent thing that I've noticed in my years of mm-hmm. being around people is like people who are genuinely happy always have some kind of spiritual something going on in their life, like mm-hmm. some kind of spiritual focus. Mm-hmm. So like, I can't figure out anything else that's actually like produces peace in people's lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. people I like, watch interact with on a regular basis, if they have like some kind of, some form of God in their life and they're mm-hmm. like actively engaging with it, they're often like very happy or. Of course, they go through, you know, times of darkness or whatever, but I think mm-hmm. they, like, consistently seem, like, feel actually happy, not mm-hmm, just, like, mm-hmm. drugged happiness, you know Right. I mean? So, I'm seeking. This is a great start. I think so. <laughs> you know? I think so. It's beautiful. Real quick, because I want to <laughs> pop back to that. I have, like, a retort. Not And, again, the opinions expressed by me or questions asked aren't necessarily me <laughs> judging you or questioning you or coming at you, okay? <laughs> this is me just questioning and, like, being uh-huh. curious of, like, how much thought you put into the things that you experience. Just uh-huh. like, you know, Joe Rogan would do, right, is to just push you, okay? Wait, so, <laughs> I don't know. It's a challenging situation. No, no, no. It's, like, positive challenging, I think. <laughs> would you like to say who you are? You can leave out last name, too, if you want to really? pr- protect your anonymity. I can't, I can't protect myself at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. My name is Brian Wilson Bramlett. Cool. I've recently changed my first name to Brian Tonio. <laughs> <laughs> Legally or casually? Casually. Okay. I don't tell, tell many people. <laughs> is it because the one study abroad you did in Italy <laughs> has led you to that name change? Yes, probably. <laughs> okay, great. That's no, I great. I funny. I don't know. I tell people it's like my secret name, but it's obviously not a secret. It's your like spirit name. Mm-hmm. It's your like trail name, but you don't have one. I, it's like my burner name, but I'm not burning man. <laughs> Yeah, you can get one if you if you hike the Appalachian Trail. Yes, totally, totally. I don't think you get to pick like a regular name with some added letters though. I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a strange thing. It should be like leaf or tree or bark or something. <laughs> that would be a bark. better like trail name. Yeah. Bark. Brantonio works. <laughs> <Casual>. <laughs> okay, what else would you like to introduce yourself any other way? Oh, any other way. So okay, let's see. I own a company called Healing Ecosystems. Okay, when you say own a company, tell me more. What do you Gosh. mean? Anyone can start a company these days. Yeah, like anyone can start a, start a podcast. So it started out as... I'm taking notes also. I'm not ignoring you. Show I notes. promise. Okay. Show notes. Great, <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So it started off as a landscaping company. that was converting green lawns into perennial, native, and edible landscapes. Did that for a few years. Hopefully the IRS doesn't listen to this podcast. Nobody listens to this. <laughs> Let's be clear. The 30 people cap that's listening, that's not true. I think 70-something uh, people listen to the Amanda Poss episode, which doesn't include you, because I realized that we talked about you in that episode briefly. What? Yeah, it was real brief. It was very brief. I can't remember no, what the really setup was, but it was it. brief. No, I, it's, I could tell you what it says. I just don't remember. I mean, I, I don't remember the setup. It. Okay, Continue. so then, yeah, mm-hmm. as a landscaping company, I've been slowly, like, peeling back the layers of that, and it's becoming more of a foraging education company, so I like taking people on foraging walks mm-hmm. and teaching people about wild plants and mm-hmm. how to eat from the land and nurture the land at the same time, which is an important component, mm-hmm. and then now it's transitioning. I've, I've kind of have this, like, 
you know, several year plan with it's like peeling the layers back of what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But now it's turning into more of an eco therapy service. I was wondering That's when that was going to happen. It's a seedling, but it's a big enough okay. seedling I can like bring into the light right now and talk about it a little bit. Uh huh. It's but my past few months in North Carolina have helped me to like get solid on that. Okay. So that's what's going on. That's sick. With that part. Yeah. Yeah. Healthy. Um, I was just wondering because you literally are, uh, do you have student loans outstanding? Awful in this That's how it comes up in the first, in the first episode. Uh-huh. Um, I do. Specifically because I think you, I think your quote to me was that you were a bad investment. Like a financial bad investment, which it was a casual conversation, but I remembered and I thought it was really funny. Yeah. Um, but I was just wondering because you spent all this time doing all this therapy and all this counseling right. and all this like psychology stuff. A lot of, of that information too has been important in my life and healing certain things that I've been through. Uh-huh. Like it was all connected, you know, all yeah. things happen as they're supposed to. Then I remember you being like, it was too much. I need to not spend this much time yeah. getting this deep into myself all the time. Yep. But you also can't abandon something that you've committed that much. I don't even think it's like time. I think it was something more like you committed so much of yourself to that. Sure. And it makes sense that you'd be like, oh, let's heal the earth. But then where do you, you know, what are you going to do in helping other people get that message, I guess? What am I going to do in helping other people get that message? Of like, Which is what you're just talking about. Yeah, yeah, like yeah with exactly. The... Yeah, I spent a ton of time doing that stuff and a lot mm-hmm. of personal investment and working on myself and mm-hmm. all that. And like the ultimate conclusion of going to that extreme, which I've seen a lot in like colleagues and peers too, mm-hmm. is just getting to a point of absolute burnout with it where it's just, you're going too deep into yourself. You're looking at too much stuff. It's dredging up too the much. The therapy component, the counseling. Totally. Okay. Totally. And the secret that one of my counselor mentors told me when mm-hmm. I was doing my practicum the last year, he said, you and the rest of the trainees who are counseling people have more severe mental health diagnoses than most of the people you're counseling. Because you're desperate for something. Yeah, so it <laughs> tends to draw people in who are uh-huh. already a little bit you know, mentally out of balance in one way or another, or like working uh-huh. towards balance. So it's a really intense field to be in. I think it's amazing, and there's a lot of like learning there, and mm-hmm. I feel really grateful for it. I don't regret it. Like It definitely was meant to be that way. But yeah, like I was telling my friend earlier today, like I hit this point where it was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like uh-huh. This is absolutely just too much in your head, in your emotions, in yourself, just getting like stuck in this feeling of like, like, where do you go? Like, what's the point of doing this stuff? You know, right. Just getting to like extreme emotional turmoil, extreme depression, like ridiculous points. I knew by the end of counseling school, by the end of that last year of my practicum of actually seeing clients that I was going to get far away from it for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was like my own like journey of healing after that mm-hmm. to go and just farm. And I knew that I wanted <laughs> to get really deep into that because my interest had been <laughs> over the years. Uh-huh. You know? And um, I had been doing it for several years before that, like just getting my hands in the soil more and like just growing stuff at the places mm-hmm, I live. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm, I'm going in. Like mm-hmm. I've done all this time learning counseling. It's time to like learn nature, you know, like really mm-hmm. like go deep. And it's funny because like we all know that stuff already to a lot of, in, to a large extent. It's like you grew up, like I grew up in the country, like on a dirt road, like around trees, you know, mm-hmm. around nature. But I didn't really like actively engage with, you know, what is this type of oak tree or what is this animal here? What kind of bird is that? You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just really like a practice of learning how to label those things that you already know and those interactions you kind of understand. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just like engaged really hard on that. Spent about six months in Santa Cruz in a food forest. I don't, have I ever told you about this? Mm. Maybe. I don't remember. I remember something about you picking pepper in the middle of a field and you hearing the voice of God, but that was, uh, uh, yeah. I don't know where that was. <laughs> that was actually before that. <laughs> okay, so I, don't, I don't specifically remember Santa Cruz. I remember that. you suddenly were like, okay, just for the, if you don't know, I've known Brian Britton since 2009, September 14, 2009. It was the first baby baby show in Carrollton, United States. America. Yeah, <laughs> it was a really important day in my life because it was like my whole life changed. Mm-hmm. And so I've seen you through. And it's also awkward to do this because, like, I have to tell you, but you already know, but I have to tell them yeah, too. Yeah, it's okay. fine. It's interesting. So I have seen you through many stages, a lot of which were extremely emotional, like on mm-hmm. an emotional scale, and a really, for the most part, like a pretty deep relationship from the beginning up until probably like you know, a few years ago, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, when it was like a necessary conscious uncoupling. So going to the outro thing. That's like a breakup thing, but that's not really what happened. Um, it was more of like, maybe it's time for this depth of this relationship yeah. to uncouple. Like it wasn't necessary for right. us to be, I think that intertwined. Right. Um, but a lot of our relationship was me just like being kind of in awe of watching you, like what you were doing. Mm. You're always doing something that I didn't understand, but I was always like, how are they just so like, into this hmm. like going so hard into the music and you were so committed to making all these beats all the time and you would like hmm. study what you were doing so hard and I was like how does he know how does he have the mental capacity to do that and the creative capacity because yeah. I would like write something and then be like I have like get fatigue I get really bad creative fatigue constantly hmm. you're like fed off of just keeping going in and in and in same thing with like delving into your emotions and studying your emotions you like kind of kept going in and in and in and I was like I have to put up a hard boundary because I just couldn't I mean I think now looking back I'm like I wasn't ready to I was processing I think in the in the probably the healthiest like amount of time for myself Mm -hmm. but I think you were like ready to kind of like go hard and Mm -hmm. I was like I don't know what that would even look like to do what you were doing so basically I've just seen you go really hard in a lot of different directions Uh not in an unhealthy like spastic way but like in a really Un, it's really clear to see the pieces of your life, like the different stories, sort of how they, how you've gotten here. Like it made so much sense to me. The word that I, the description I gave earlier was that you've kind of become this mystic hillbilly, mm-hmm, returning, to, <laughs> returning to your kind of Alabama roots. That I remember you being so resistant toward. And then also, there's so much of that spiritual, so much of that spiritual component that I don't think you could have existed in this like foraging life without that you know studying spirituality mm. that was also a big thing was like like looking at Ram Dass and like all these my like, Jehovah's uh, Witness with <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember all of it it was yeah. like always like something though you were always going to like meetings you were always going to like these like counseling things you were always going to like events like you were always doing things hmm. to nurture these hobbies or these like I don't even think hobbies is the fair word it was like you had these deep commitments to your I don't know values is the right word either but your things your stuff I think passions isn't even a fair word it's like your your stuff yeah that you're you it was like you were passionate about the things that made you you so it's just interesting to see it because you come as mystic hillbilly because I'm like yeah of course it was so that was the most it was like suddenly all the other things you'd done 
made so much sense to me. I was like, look at that's you. That's the there culmination. That's what it's supposed to be. But. In the Grateful Dead and on the farm. <laughs> just waiting for you to, I was just waiting for <laughs> you to be like, hey, you know what? American Beauty really slaps. It's a whole album. It does slap. It does slap. <laughs> but that was, where, that was where I was going with that was, yeah, thank you for all the reflection. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good to hear. Um, yeah, the six months in Santa Cruz, that was like transformational too. But yeah, just like going hard into it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you're speaking to. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's a good reflection. But I guess the thing with with the farming and the foraging and permaculture and all that is like realizing that I feel like I'm at a point where this is going to be something I do my whole life. I feel like a really career, committed to it. It becomes like... In some di- yeah, in different yeah. forms. You know, I feel mm-hmm. like it, it's, it's continuing to evolve and it will continue to evolve. Mm-hmm. I still do music. I still do therapy stuff in certain ways. At the same time, this feels like my life path. Feels mm-hmm. like I'm finally like on a track. Like music always felt good in a way, but it was also very daunting. It didn't feel like a total natural mm-hmm. fit. It was like I'm forcing this and I really love it. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I always kind of knew deep down like this isn't gonna be totally it. And there's still that part mm-hmm. of me that's like grieving that. It's kind of like oh, yeah. I, still, like, I like to make beats and like play music mm-hmm. and like write songs and stuff. And I still do that stuff, but more of like my it's a lot of like community, like what community mm-hmm. wants from you. And I realized just, like, social media can be, like, an amazing tool. Like, when I started posting videos about foraging years ago, it was just, like, people were, like, yes. Like, that seems natural for you. Yeah. You know? It, yes. They're not saying that, but, like, just getting a lot of good feedback on it. It was, like, what we were all waiting for and had and didn't know. Because right. the first one so I saw, I was, like, this is it. Like, that's what we were waiting for the whole time. And it doesn't discount your, you know, commitment to music and making music. I think all of that was so essential to... All of this, that ability sure. to constantly delve into something, no matter what, no matter what. But I think with the with this being able to recognize that people are saying yes to this is right. Yeah, and that that's the bigger thing. Yeah. Okay, back to your question. So that's I I, that's what I feel like the community <laughs> wants from me. It was kind of that yeah. question of like, well, what you know, how do you bring this to people? This ecotherapy thing, mm-hmm. and bring it to the whole. I think that was kind of the root of the question. But so what I realized through like psychotherapy and working with the earth is that they're really the same thing sure all this like going into ourselves and trying to figure out this and that and pull it apart is like valuable and it's good Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean anything if it's not like connected with community and the community doesn't mean anything unless it's connected with the earth and it's connected with like healing the lands around us Mm -hmm. and there's like this great native american quote i heard recently that said you know we see plants and animals etc etc the natural world is being our relatives not our resources so it's mm-hmm. like this idea of like reconnecting with like these natural things around us that are like our relatives, like coming back home to being like these oak trees that, you know, have held me my entire life around me. Like now I actually know their names and I understand their like acorn mm-hmm. mass cycles and you know, just like coming <laughs> into a deep relationship mm-hmm. with these things yeah. that are extremely, like that are totally integral to our survival that like mm-hmm. it's so easy to forget about because mm-hmm. we're disconnected from it or for the most part we're disconnected from it but you know we're trying to like get reconnected a lot of us are like that stuff that's where the real like healing happens mm-hmm. and that's been my healing because I've done so much self-work and you know from like psychedelics to like you know hours of therapy to all kinds of therapying other people therapying other people <laughs> doing self, you know ther- therapy practices on myself which I still do but the number one thing that's the most healing for me it's just going out and working with the land, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And so I want to bring that to more people in a conscious way. Mm-hmm. And then I have a podcast I need to recommend to you because this, <laughs> this girl looks like you. Her name is Happy Alice. 
That's weird because my uh, name's Alice. Okay. <laughs> okay. And she has blonde hair. She looks similar to you, but she's British. How do you know it's not me? But I don't know. <laughs> now that you you know what I look like as a thirty year old. <laughs> Are you thirty? Yeah, dude. Goodness you don't know? Gracious, no, I didn't realize. I probably that. should. Make sure, I hope none of my kids hear this because they don't know how old I am. Yeah, they should. It's my favorite part. They probably think you're younger than that. You betcha. <laughs> They're like twenty-two. Yeah, no. like you strategically bleep out the word thirty. I don't. I don't think they'll find it because none of them care enough about other people yet. Like, maybe in, like, six uh-huh. years, they'll go looking for, like, their ninth grade teacher, but they're not looking right now. This could blow up, like, years down the line. Yeah. Though, you know? And then I'm like, <laughs> she was 30 all along. <laughs> they don't matter. They literally don't care. That's so funny. Yeah. It's crazy you're 30. I know. Um, but, yeah, Happy Alice had a great show about ecotherapy, and that's what got me onto her podcast. It's the only one I've listened to, but she's worth checking out. Mm-hmm. I think you would like her. Her spirited, sunshiny vibe. Yeah, yeah, she's good. She's good. But a lot of people are doing it already. Where mm-hmm. just getting people out and in, in, in nature, doing like horticultural therapy is another term for it. And just mm-hmm. getting people like gardening and really getting people in community with one another. So you know, you're just hanging out, watering stuff, and talking and chatting. And a lot of people just need to get out of the, get you know get out of the house and kind of get out of their own head. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, there's so many proven benefits to working with soil for depression. Like there's bacteria in the soil from mycobacterium vacai that are just as effective at relieving depression as Prozac in a clinical Mm side-by-side study, if not more Mm -hmm. effective. There's massive dopamine rush that you get from picking fruit, which comes from hunter-gatherer wiring where, you know, it felt good to pick fruit. So people would, you know, it is a feedback Mm -hmm. loop in your brain to make you feel good to pick fruit. So if you go out and pick a bunch of fruit, you kind of get high from doing it. Yeah, plus there's sugar. Plus there's sugar, yeah. That gets you psyched. You can get psyched with healthy sugar. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of. I mean, it is, it's exciting though, because you pick something and you're like, it's not gross. You know, like, because a lot of other stuff you have to, like, you're talking about acorns, you do so much work to get, not in a negative way, you just have to do a lot more work versus, like, a lot of fruit, you can just yoink it and it's It's good to go. You can do that with a lot of vegetables too, but they don't have sugar. Yeah, the veg. Yeah, I don't. I don't even buy. I hardly ever buy fruit from the store anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I refuse to because it sucks. Mm -hmm. In comparison, (laughs) if you've ever had real fruit from a tree, Mm -hmm. it's absolutely bonkers how different it is. Mm -hmm. An orange from the store is a whack job compared to an orange from a tree (laughs) in California. And there's tons of studies to show that too. Mm -hmm. They show like street fruit is not only safe for you because a lot of people are like oh it's growing on the street it's bad for you you know it's like there's mm-hmm. pollutants and all this and cars and poop mm-hmm. and dog pee or something right it's like yeah wash it off but the insides of it they've like tested this in multiple studies from like uh-huh. boston to england and they found that it's always been safe contaminant free it's like micro amounts of any kind of heavy metal or anything which is yeah. like naturally found in a lot of fruit anyways and sure. foods and you actually need it like leads and stuff but there's not an excess but not only is it not contaminated but it's actually like higher in most nutrients like right. almost all micronutrients is higher in which we don't get enough of for the most part in our diets mm-hmm. than any store-bought fruit that they've tested it beside mm-hmm. and then when you taste it you know it like when you right. have that orange right. from the tree mm-hmm. it's like whoa like that's tastes how it's supposed to taste Mm -hmm. it doesn't taste like it's just pumped full of water to like get it really fat and juicy and look a certain way Mm -hmm. it's like that's real food right there Mm -hmm. so all this to say like this is how the foraging kind of ties in it's not only ecotherapy like getting people to feel good but it's also like look at our base level just like eating and lifestyle choices and Mm -hmm. have you heard of biohacking no (laughs) no (laughs) 
Yeah, you gotta, gotta look into biohacking your podcast thing. What is biohacking? It might be an extremely male thing. I don't know. It sounds like Bio- a science. <laughs> I mean, not science, like robot stuff. <laughs> it's basically the practice. I might butcher this, but it's just human optimization through figuring out how to optimize our biology. Anything from turning off your lights at night so you're not getting exposure to like blue lights before you go to bed mm-hmm. so your melatonin is repressed to like taking like crazy different supplements to, you know, enhance testosterone and all these different, you know, parts of your body or whatever. Um, so it ranges, but people are like really into biohacking now, like freezing your body to like cryotherapy. Mm-hmm. Like that's a form of biohacking, which seems like so counterintuitive. I don't know much about that one, but <laughs> I've been doing cryotherapy, I feel like, for the past three months, living in this barn. In, <laughs> Is this freezing? Outside of Asheville, North Carolina, because, mm. yeah, the past couple of weeks, it got really cold. Mm-hmm. You just wake up in the morning, you're freaking freezing. Yeah. I'm like, cryotherapy. Maybe you're like, getting healthier. Thermogenesis. You don't know. <laughs> uh, I have two, two questions related to this. Okay. Okay, so number one is when you talk about... Also, I don't know if you noticed over the last several years my southern accent has developed. Are you impressed? A little bit. Can you hear it? I can't really tell that much, but I, I can kudos. Tell. I'm really excited I'm getting one, it. too, so... <laughs> it's the, <laughs> so I don't hear it as much. Real recognized, real. Uh, that's right. Uh, when you go out, when you're saying, okay, you're doing like, what are the various names you gave the permaculture therapy? Everybody, I, I call it ecotherapy. Ecotherapy is my okay. umbrella. Do you practice act like classic... Like I said earlier, like CBT, DBT, like any of those mm-hmm. actual skills when you're out foraging? Or is it like, Great let's question. just talk to each other? Or is it like, let's check in on our stuck points? Are you like uh, talking about these like things? Or yeah, That's a great point. And that's what I wrote my thesis for grad school about. It's like garden, garden therapy at that point. Was sure. I was it. Yeah, I mean, to be 100% about it, I've done a few years of it with one child client for the past three or four years. Uh-huh. Outside of that, I've done very little practice. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I'm, I'm waxing philosophical when I'm talking about it. <laughs> um, and that's why I said it's a little seedling that I bring out into the light. Because right. I'm about to go in on like uh-huh. getting some clients and kind of seeing what it feels like to actually do it. Yeah. So it's just one of those things that you talk about something for so many years. It's like, all right, time to pull the trigger. And certain like, life mm-hmm. events have led to that. Yeah, I mean, working with that kid client, I can speak from that experience. Sure. At first, I wanted to you know, like talk to him, what's going on with you, how are things with the family, this and that. And it was just, it's just that visceral, like, no. Yeah, leave me alone. Yeah, (laughs) let's throw this ball around. Right. So, uh, and that's the other thing with therapy, you can't go too much into details, but I I can, I can speak to this stuff because there's not a whole lot of content to it, which is great. Mm -hmm. Most of our therapy turned into chopping wood. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. Like chopping wood, sick. eating food at the farm, mm-hmm. um, throwing football, that kind of thing. <laughs> like things that like an 11 year old boy loves. And I've heard mm-hmm. he's like maybe eight or nine. Wow. So okay. It was like two to three years. Um, and uh, yeah, that was basically it. But most of the horticultural therapy that's out there now, ecotherapy, I suppose horticultural therapy more refers to like gardening therapy, like the stuff that Happy Alice is talking about. Mm-hmm. And that stuff is not as much like psychotherapy centered. It's just like, let's right. hang out in the right. garden. And, like you have some emotional problems come out and like, you know, talk to people. It's just very natural and not, right. there's no like real psychotherapy or like CBT or anything like mm-hmm. that going on. Then there's people in the Bay Area who are doing like more like 
deep ecotherapy who are really trained right. as like somatic therapists right and then have an interest in bringing that to the natural world mm-hmm. um so that's that's happening and I, I know some of those people and i've done some of those like walks with them and and engage with them in certain ways the difference of what i'm proposing and i'm hoping this the work goes more in this direction is not only like doing the psychotherapy stuff mm-hmm. for sure like making it intentional like not just you know seating beds and whatever you know mm-hmm. forging fruit but actually like spending some time like saying like checking in with somebody what's going on with you and, and actually bringing tools to them though because like i mean right i've done like i said and not like sledgehammers and like axes and stuff yeah i mean i want to make sure people know what yeah. you mean this thing's recording. Yeah, it's recording. I was like, wait, this is a great combo. Yeah. So I, was just like, I have to just periodically check that I'm hyper paranoid all the time. Carry For sure. On. Good practice. Uh, you know. Yeah, so it's not like necessarily sledgehammers and axes, but it could be. But yeah, like psychotherapy tools. Right. Um, because the one thing that, that kind of bugged me about therapy was just kind of the open-endedness of it. I think there's a time and a place for like just sitting with somebody and talking and like that's good and that works for some people at certain times mm-hmm. in their life. And there's always been this drive of wanting something a little more structured for me. Totes. Like, because I, I just know for myself, like, I have certain practices that I do mm-hmm. for to work on my mental health, but it's, like, depending on what the day is, is calling for. Right. If my energy low, am I feeling depressed? Then I'll do something like bioenergetics, like, where I'm doing, like, stretching and, like, deep breathing and, like, moving my body and trying mm-hmm. to, like, kind of pump my energy up. Mm-hmm. Or am I super anxious and like thinking a lot about the future and things just feel overwhelming, you know? Right. And then it's something like CBT, like doing really simple writing exercises. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And like massive amounts of scientific literature yeah. about that stuff and how much it helps. And like absolutely, like all I do is I'll literally get a piece of paper out, write down every negative thought that I can come up with on a, for like a full page basically. And challenge it. You have to challenge it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But mm-hmm. I don't do that typical one where you like write out like this is a overgeneralization or like label it. Because there's mm-hmm. that form of it too where there's like a three oh, yeah. column technique. Oh yeah. I don't think Which is good too. But it's a little too too much time to think and learn it and like mm-hmm. look back on it. So I just do like write in the negatives, flip it over, write the positives. And mm-hmm. like the positives start to naturally come as I'm writing down the negatives. Mm-hmm. And by the end of that, I just like feel way lighter. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. knowing like myself and the the blueprint of like what works for me, just imagining being able to like talk to people, kind of see what's going on for them, seeing what their symptoms are, what they're wanting to work on as well, mm-hmm. like like doing the deep listening, like the reflective listening and whatnot. But then being like, okay, well, it sounds like doing some writing would be good, or it sounds like doing some kind of movement would be good, or it sounds like you know maybe just like moving some little bit of the mulch would be good for you like a prescription yeah yeah that's what i'm thinking yeah like prescription Sick. yeah something like that so being intentional like that but then the, the third element which i think is the important piece that's, that's left out of the conversation a lot is the idea of earth care like getting out of ourselves right. not just to work on ourselves but like actually leave something physical behind right that feels good like it was so nice to leave that farm today and see like this big trench that I had dug and see like all these poles that I had driven to the ground and all these plants that I had planted and this mm-hmm. greenhouse that we had covered and the barn that I had like totally revamped and landscaped and just like just seeing an actual product of your work you know being able to see something and work with your hands and then like and I mean like it's no secret like the earth isn't like dire straits in a lot of ways mm-hmm. like with you know um just carbon emissions and and climate change and all this like it's 
getting to the point where like people are really starting to wake up to it and think about it and like not sweep it under the rug and it's like it's crazy to me that we kind of go on like life as usual and I do too um but then you have like events like in the Bay Area like where it freaking like burned last year and there was mm-hmm. just like the Bay Area was covered in smoke like you literally couldn't walk outside like it was mm-hmm. ridiculous so it's kind of like we can't keep wiping this stuff under the rug and yeah. then the other aspect is like we have enough people to like fix this stuff it's just that our focus is really on totally other things mm-hmm. So the focus really has to start shifting, and like it just—it's trippy to me listening to these guys talk about biohacking and stuff, and like I'm just amazed that like the strongest men of our generation, of like in our world now, are like like just hungry to do challenging things, to like you know immerse themselves in cold water and do Ironman triathlons and do mm-hmm. all this stuff, and it's like cool, that's great, but let's plant a bunch of trees together. Mm-hmm. Like we want, cause we have that drive in us to like be like militaristic and be like almost in a little tribe and, mm-hmm. and do things that are challenging together. That's like good, like male bonding, but you know, it gets generated into people like going to war and like being in the military and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like I heard this guy, Paul check who's a really interesting character talking about how he thinks the military should become like, like people who bring peace around the world and like help plant trees and like do like environmental restoration and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's the move right there. Mm -hmm. And people are doing that. So there's like, there's eco restoration camps in California now where they're getting like, you know, bunches and bunches of people together to like, you know, fix up places that have been burned or, um, kind of help to like do preemptive cleanup things before Mm -hmm. there's huge fuel loads on the ground so that, like, the whole state burns when fire breaks out. Mm -hmm. Because fire is an inevitable part of that, of -hmm. the world in California. You can't prevent fire. There's Mm -hmm. no, there's no way it's been doing it for hundreds of thousands of years, so. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot. I have a few. That's a lot of answers. I can tangent on that for a while. One, real quick, to respond to, just, like, is it a point of interest? I think a lot of your sentence, like, people are hungry, too. Like, we're talking, you're specifically talking males, I think, is what, that's the tone of your tone of your life yeah, I think oh most yeah. of the time you're talking about males <laughs> so most of the time <laughs> talking like a about sexual males. way I mean just like a lot of times your <laughs> observations are related to your observations around guys like sure. you don't tend to uh make as many observations about women or females in general <laughs> I'm just noticing that as we're talking I was like wow he has literally not mentioned women and not in a negative way yeah. it's just like something I mean I'm just like wow I guess that's weird that I'd mm-hmm. not notice that but a lot but something you said is that sort of like I think a lot of the like Jonathan's not these, you know, trail ultra runners, right? So they like run all over these mountains and stuff, and I think those sort of that sort of desire to be in nature are also those are sort of the same dudes who want to be like close to what you're doing. Like again, Jonathan's really loves to like garden and make he made that like hydroponic garden and all this. He wants to be he loves to be with the earth. But I think a lot of same that same drive that you're talking about that also gets people a lot of money and it gets people mm-hmm. a lot of status and it gets people the military stuff, all those things, I think all of that is true and that I I think it's sort of about finding other pathways and then what if you can't reach those dudes? Like the dudes yeah. who have who want no, who have no interest in that. So like what is the pathway there? I'm not asking you, I'm just like throwing it out there for people to tell mm-hmm. like what what do you do? Like, you're, are you going to change the military yourself? Like, how is this going to happen? And then my other question, or my other comment. Yep, yep. This is a bigger question. 
Okay. So we're we're when you're talking about all this again. So I'm in a I don't know if you know this. I'm in a group therapy every other week. I, didn't know that. I go to see. It's been for like two and some change years. Really? Uh huh. Amazing. I love group therapy. Um, at this point now we're like reaching. We've kind of gotten here before, and then we all get like chicken out about talking about trauma. We get chickened out, and we're like, let's go start uh-huh. over from another like worksheet." I wonder what that's about. Um, it's hard. Maybe just not the right time. Like, right? Because she's not gonna push us in a place that's not right. And we all have to. We all agree on things together. Like, if we all were like, you know, what? let's just make him do it. That wouldn't be. It's not gonna be as like helpful. Sure. Um, but a lot of the things when you're talking about is like I'm wondering about the trauma of the earth like when you're talking about all this stuff like eco care and stuff the earth has been through a lot of trauma whether it's for whether same thing with a person a lot of trauma can create later on something really positive right or something really negative something really dark something that seems like better so do you have an approach to like the earth's trauma the things that we have put it through her through I don't know (laughs) Like what is bring the feminine is there, a, is there is there an approach to that is that a consideration are we like that's a really good question I mean even if it's not our fault yeah. isn't it something that we can do something about like we would with a human like it's not yeah. the other people in my group's fault that I have trauma right. but we but still care for each other we cry about each other's trauma we get really serious about each other's like worst days more than sure you know we always go in there like it's not that i'm sorry it's not that important everyone's like stares at you like like has so much compassion and empathy for you that you're like oh maybe i should show that for myself i feel like that's right right here yeah here's my here's my what makes me think of the earth has a lot of trauma we have a lot of trauma we see ourselves being parasitic on the earth. And the other thing that you said of like, it's not our fault. Like, yeah, it's true. It's not like necessarily directly our fault. Like right, we're born right, into right, a system, right. but we're all like consume, consuming mm-hmm, in such mm-hmm. a way. We're sitting in Whether a condo. consciousness or not that mm-hmm. we are like, we are constantly extracting sure. from the earth in such a way that we uh-huh. are like technically like parasitic. Right. Oh yeah. In a lot of ways. And people see humans as being inherently parasitic. And so there's like this self-hatred that we've developed in ourselves. A lot of people where it's like humans are terrible. We're an invasive species and we're bad for the earth and this and that. And it's like how deep, you know, deep and like wounding is that for the psyche to be thinking that on some level, you know, like so many people express that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it's in the collective. So a lot of the actual working with the earth and seeing improvements through the Mm -hmm. therapy is a way of helping people see themselves as being beneficial to the earth Mm -hmm. as having a mutualistic relationship Mm -hmm. so that you know you go out and you plant a tree and you watch it grow and you mulch it and you make that area look pretty like there's really (laughs) something to that so people can feel like they have a purpose yeah and people can feel like they're needed as well Mm -hmm. like that's a big part of all the depression in our society is we don't feel like we're needed because we're like kind of aren't in a lot of ways we're kind of just a cog Right. In this machine to do random things that aren't necessarily meaningful. So, like, I love the idea of these, like, ecosystem restoration camps. Mm-hmm. Or getting people involved in things that are helping the earth because it's so directly tangible. To mm-hmm. see that, like, the earth does need us. Like, we're not a happy accident. Like, you know, con- we don't know where consciousness comes from and all this stuff. But we know that we are a keystone species. 
we're really important. Like we can really pull some strings and make things like way better or way worse. Mm -hmm. So like Joel Salatin says, he's like one of the most famous permaculture successful Mm -hmm. um, farmers in the world. And he's like, it's not that humans are lazy. It's just that we have directed our attention to the wrong things. We're extremely industrious and extremely hardworking. It's just yeah, all the, stuff we the did. wrong things. And he's like, if we had gone the other direction a hundred years ago, we'd be in a garden of Eden right now. Totes. And we could be like, that's the thing. Like the earth doesn't have to be being destroyed. It's just a matter of like, it's not just doing stuff, but it's like our consciousness beginning to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fascinating. This is like almost my off limits topics, but like, the psychedelic revolution that's happening right now uh-huh, uh-huh. is very interesting to me. Yeah, not this is that like I, cure, like talking about it as a therapy for like not all even that talking stuff. About it in terms of therapy, that's not something that I like practice or I'm like involved in at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting how much that's in my ear all the time with the different people that I follow, mm-hmm. because like people are really, really diving into that stuff and it's getting like legalized and it's just like it seems to be waking people up to sort of the cry of the earth in mm-hmm, a lot of ways mm-hmm. and a lot of people like you don't need it necessarily like i don't think you necessarily need those things to like wake up to that some mm-hmm. people are just like tuned into that stuff mm-hmm. but just like kind of ringing back to the idea of like a change in consciousness is what has to happen mm-hmm. it's not just a we go out and plant trees you know right but it's more like i think that's my biggest role that like the way that i can affect the most people mm-hmm. is not to just go out and try to like do as much landscaping as i can cuz i've like been in that mindset before and you can tell that it's like not right when i'm like mm-hmm. when i'm doing it i'm like this is not correct <laughs> you know but you can really get in that grind you're like producing a lot yeah. but for <laughs> but yeah for what yeah like, cool it's really like everyone kind of has to wake up to it i think and and start to and i think we are starting to wake up to it Mm-hmm. But, you know, we'll see. I think it's going to take a lot of it, like extreme circumstances for people to really change their ways. And mm-hmm. For me as well. And, like, just stop driving around so much, stop flying all the time, like, all that. Like, it's not an easy, an easy fix that most people are willing to kind of sacrifice that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's the other part of it is, like, all these things we get so excited about or, like, people traveling to go to these places to see these, like, wonders of the world and things like natural wonders of the world it's like you still had to get on a plane to go there dude and you know so it's different than when we were hunter-gatherer societies and we're like in a little place we're taking care of our home you know just like when our home wasn't moved out of like we spent a lot of time like taking care of it and like cleaning up and making sure clarissa hadn't thrown up on something you know like the same sort of thing you were like careful about your space probably you're like you always have had this sort of I don't want to say, like, bohemian, because it's not exactly right, but sort of, like, this Mm. off-the-grid desire. You've always wanted to be, like, kind of outside of society, I think. I don't know if this is the direct terminology that is correct, but I'd say you, like, even when you were, like, in the lofts, you were kind of, like, not wanting to pay for, like, apartments. You wanted to, like, you want to, like, live on the outside of things, sort of. You didn't, I think, want, you were really resistant to, like, normalcy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also you were, like, had to have like a nice MacBook and you were really particular about things and I'm just wondering how that looks in in a society or like in your personal world like I think you can only really speak, speak to that I don't know if you can speak to an entire changed society right but like what does that look like being Brian Brown in 2019 being the brat 10 years later 
<laughs> like, how has the brat transformed? Has he transformed? Right. Are you still that same person? Like, yeah, I think it's a lot of ways for mm-hmm. sure. My MacBook's like ten years old as crap. Those <laughs> are pretty awesome. Can't say the same for the iPhone. I recently upgraded the iPhone, and I think it's been a major disappointment. But <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, I think some of those things are really necessary, and like, I don't want to unplug myself so much that I can't sort of relate to people and like reach out. You know, right. And like it's a really great tool for being able to to connect a lot of people. So mm-hmm. I think it's like sometimes the permaculture world can go this other extreme where it's just totally off grid, like let's not be a part of the social media thing or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like that's good for some people. Um, I've been like sort of raised on that stuff, so it's sort of important to me. But I think you're asking more about sort of lifestyle. I mean, choices. I think that's a part of it though. Yeah. Yeah. What I'll say is like I'm definitely addicted to technology in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I really recognize that the past three months because I've been living in a barn. <laughs> I have little to no cell phone reception out there. You're freezing. I'm awesome. freezing a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. Or really, really hot. <laughs> right. Are you in a valley? This needs more clarification. Are you in a valley? In a mountain. In a mountain. On a, a, on a mountain, mountain at about 2,500 feet. <laughs> okay. So it's uh, beautiful beautiful like it's mm-hmm. god's country up there mm-hmm. absolutely incredible um satan's country here so yeah it's a different <laughs> my nervous system is about to be in a whole different situation especially going out of california uh-huh. but uh the thing that i'll i've noted is like just living simply like that it's so hard to get to in a way but it's what feels the best mm-hmm. it absolutely feels so good to go to bed at night and be like cold or whatever but you know, I have, I have blankets. I'm not really that cold. <laughs> but sure. to, like, have complete darkness yeah. around you. Yeah. Like, that is something that I think we take for granted a lot. Mm-hmm. That's become my pet peeve. It's like, I hate all the lights on at night. Like, this is absolutely ridiculous how many lights are constantly on, like, in mm-hmm. the city. Yeah. It's just, like, you cannot black. It's so hard to black out your room. Yeah. I go, like, great lengths when I'm in Berkeley to black out my room now. Mm-hmm. Because it's, like, extremely important for actually getting deep sleep and having have restorative you know, healthy sleep. Mm-hmm. Are you going to um, put in your address so people can send you fan mail or? Uh, I'll, I'll do a line there. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Straight digital. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. At Healing Ecosystem on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> you can send me a Brian DM. <laughs> no, no, no. Not my personal. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We'll edit that out. No, no. You don't have to. I don't really care that much. But, um, where am I going with that? I mean, technology, your darkness. darkness. Yeah, just being able to, like, be out in a barn and mm-hmm. have, like, total darkness other than, like, stars or, like, a bright full moon. Mm-hmm. That is the move right there. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, you, it's, you can hardly pay for that kind of stuff. Like, it's so good. It's so good. Like, that free natural living is, like, amazing. Like, drinking water out of the tap and not thinking about having to filter it. Like, I've been drinking, like, well water for three months, and it's just, yeah. like, this is amazing. Like, I feel like leech acorns in a creek because we're like at the top of a ridge mm-hmm. on a very very clean you know watershed and knowing exactly where that water is coming from that's not like doesn't have chemical pollutants in and stuff mm-hmm. and you know animal manure and whatnot or not much and like <laughs> so knowing what? that I could put acorns in it and leech them mm-hmm. like that's that's ridiculous so just kind of realizing that that stuff is more important overall to like peace rather than being able to get on a computer, like a nice computer. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, like, you know, working that balance in my life of, like, needing to use a computer, like, quote-unquote needing. Um, 
but like working that into my regimen and realizing like when you have a good baseline of feeling nice and healthy and then you spend a lot of time on the computer, it's like amazing how much, and I feel like I'm like isolate so much audience, like what I'm talking about. No, not I everyone has this, but a lot of people feel this way, but we know this. I think we a lot of people are also like, so what are you going to do about it? Like that's the difference. Thank so you for that just because you're in. saying that doesn't mean that other people, I think people do agree with that. Right. I think it's just a matter of, yeah. We can't all move to a mountain. So what do you suggest we do? That's I would that's say a, that's a really common. good thing to contemplate. And uh-huh. I think you all know the answer. Wrong <laughs> 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 away. Uh, no, no, no. I was just playing therapist. Hmm. But yeah, I think that stuff. Like, where was, what was I saying with that? It's that's what's nourishing. And like when I'm on. It seems so fun. Like, when I go into town now, because mm-hmm. I've been, like, away from... The, like, going into town's a big deal, and, like, being able to be on the computer and have Wi-Fi and this and that, going mm-hmm. on Instagram. It's like, yeah, this sounds so fun. And, it, like, it is kind of fun, and there's some, like, hit of dopamine or something you get from it. It's like, oh, this feels good. But it's not really. Mm-hmm. I heard this term recently. It's called it's called simulacra. Mm-hmm. It's, like, the idea of, like, a simulation of, like, something that seems like it's going to be nice, but when you actually do it or engage with it, like, it's, like, vapid. It's, like, eating, yeah. like, refined sugar, you know? It feels good for a minute, and you feel like shit. Yeah, it doesn't really serve you. It doesn't right. really serve you. Ultimately. Right, mm-hmm. right. So I feel like that's it's just kind of, like, waking up to that more for me. I guess that's my process right now. Mm-hmm. It's just realizing, like, yeah, like, you know, there's certain things I do, you know, do, quote-unquote, need to do on the computer, and I can do those things, but, like, spending a ton of time on Instagram or Facebook and, you know doing these different things that aren't like actually serving me mm-hmm. like maybe reducing that just like taking small steps for mm-hmm. our mental health for things that like we know like like i know better than mm-hmm. to spend a lot of time doing because it, it just brings my vibe down so mm-hmm. yeah that's where i'm at with that that's I, great i don't know i love that i do think that i think it is a lot of people, the 30 people listening would probably be like, and I mean, I not myself that. included, because I, I think if I really wanted, if I was willing to do it, I think it's different. I think, because uh, that sounds like a great life to me. Like, even moving to the suburbs, the thing that I like the best is that when you look up at the sky, you see the stars. I'm like, thank God. Clutch. It's so important to me. Because living here is the thing that's so hard is the lights are always, it's great because we walk Publix. You walk to seven different grocery stores from here. Not exaggerating. Seven Under, Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, Kroger, now Publix, and then there's another one. I don't know. Yes. But it's great, and I don't need seven grocery stores. Like, right. for what? <laughs> to do what? To get what? It doesn't make sense. You know, there's, and also the community guard, you could also walk there. But that's the best one, you know, but it's not going to have five million organic bananas, which is what Jonathan eats every day. <laughs> like, it's just not going to... 500 bananas a day? Probably, like, six bananas a day. There's a whole diet where people just eat 30 bananas a day. That would be probably... If Jonathan said that's his new diet, I would not be surprised. Okay, He's cool. like, I'm vegan. Oh, now I'm just on bananas. On bananas, like, yeah. Sure. Just mono mills. So, there, for for me, the living in the city is, like, anytime I tell somebody, I'm like, oh, we're moving to Lawrenceville. They're like, why? And I'm like, I can't do this i can't yeah. live in this it makes me feel crazy y'all are right in the middle of it too y'all are and this is the best i mean this is the best possible spot in atlanta because it's so nice because you can walk everywhere jonathan runs stone mountain like it's really it's an, it's the best possible place to live i think in the city uh-huh. and that doesn't mean i feel like good about it like living here is hard yeah 
there's something amazing about being able to walk around the city. Mm, no yeah. doubt. I mean, where I live in Berkeley is like, I have two grocery stores right, mm-hmm. you know, within like a mile and a half radius of me. Mm-hmm. Like amazing grocery stores like Berkeley Bowl. But if that Berkeley Bowl is different than like every other grocery store on the planet. It is. It's amazing because yeah, they have a whole wall of apples. Amazingness, yeah. It's so great. It's so good. Uh, I thought it was a bowling alley for a while. <laughs> Your friend told me that. Yeah, Amber? Yeah. I went on a Instagram rant about her the other day. Really? Posse. Cool. Yeah, I found a zine she wrote, and I call it my favorite book. It's a lot about your relationship with yourself. She sent it to me one, almost like a few years ago, and I was packing it up, and I like went ham on it. I was like, this is the real deal. I love that. I love it. But that's not the point. Basically. Okay. Jonathan's now showering, so the sound may change. Okay. Uh, but yeah, she she also changed my life, and I didn't really realize. It's one of those things where that so much of what she has said, and so many of our encounters, has slowly care like spoke spoken to me at like different parts of my life yeah. when I wasn't expecting to hear her. You know, it's like we're yeah. moving and I'm having all these things of like, really glad we're getting out of here, but I'm also like, I mean, I have some other off, off limit topics that I'm like feeling around this situation too. Just the idea of moving is a lot mm. and being a cool square, moving to the suburbs. And then I saw things like take the rubble of, or like build a life on the rubble of your past or something. Like all the things that you've just burned and like been like, screw it. Like just build your life on that. If that's what you have, build your life on it. But not in a negative way, in like a beautiful way. Yeah. But so anyway, it's not really related. But thanks Amber for like <laughs> Shout outs to Amber. Shout outs to Amber yeah, always. More shout outs for sure. Yeah. Um do you have more things related to that? Oh uh, I think uh, yeah what we were talking about with like living in the city and like convenience of oh, yeah. grocery stores and stuff not worth it to me but that's my yeah and that's the thing it's like a a checks and balances you know weighing what you want in life kind of a thing because the one i mean living on the country it was like i was meeting a i met a lot of people around Asheville, made some friends met some amazing communities Mm -hmm. and it was so hard to actually connect and do things with people right because everything was an hour drive right i want to go to my friend's house and kick it hour drive you know each way (laughs) So it's just like uh, it's, it's a two-hour commitment. Ass, yeah, you know? I mean, there's some there's some beauty to city living. It can be optimized, I think, because like people being crowded in one place is actually good for the earth. Yeah, that's than not a bad thing. Everyone being spread out, right, taking right. up a bunch of space, right. like all needing to dig a well, all needing power and you know electricity and yeah. all this stuff. So there there is an actual meaning to it. Like it's actually good in a lot yeah. of ways, but. There's, there's ways of optimizing it. I've been listening to this cat named Mark Lakeman who talks a lot about like city repair and like re-city planning. You named dropped like six people. Shout I outs. think it's actually four. But maybe show notes. Put in the show notes. <laughs> Mark Lakeman's dope. I've been listening to him on some podcasts. I've seen him at a festival talk as well. And just talking about like how to kind of, one thing like re-indigenize ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like, that's the minds, the mindset shift is accessible to all of us. Yeah. When we're talking about like getting on planes to travel places and this and that, mm-hmm. like so many of us, including myself, are, like, rootless, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have a sense of place and a sense totally. of, like, being, yes, yes, being yes, somewhere. Yes, because yeah, we're always yeah. like, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving. And I, I'm doing it, like, a lot myself, mm-hmm. you know? And even really, like, thinking seriously about, like, I'm going to relocate, relocate to Asheville. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure exactly when, but I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of creates this, like, well, screw where I'm living right now, you know, for this amount of time. Right. Like, 
oh, you know, the roof's falling in or, like, the garden's in disrepair, the landscaping looks terrible. Eh, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be gone uh-huh. in six months. So whatever, you know, just kind of, like, leave it. But the re-indigenizing mindset is to pretend to act as if you're going to live there forever, to act as if your relatives are going to depend on that later on, as if your children are going to inherit whatever you leave there, mm-hmm. right? So shout-outs to Robin Wall Kimmerer, Writing Sweetgrass. <laughs> you would like this book. It's quite mm-hmm. good. There's also an audio book to it. Okay. Um, but she, she speaks a lot about that, about, like, just re-indigenizing ourselves to a sense of place, you know? Mm-hmm. And not to say, like, you know, like, giving respect to, like, the indigenous people who actually were of that place, like, totally. before, like, sure. it was colonized. But the earth will benefit from us, and our communities will benefit from us, like, being like, oh, you know, at least pretend to yourself that I'm going to be here forever. And not just pretend, but, like, actually act on it. Like, leave it better than you found it. Right. You know? Right. Like, as if someone's going to inherit it who you want to give a nice gift to. Mm-hmm. Like, so, you know, any place I've lived, I've lived so many places around the Bay. Like, it's absolutely incredible. <laughs> And every place I've lived in the past five, seven years or so, I have built a garden. Mm-hmm. Even places I knew weren't going to work out and I was going to be moving on from, I built a garden. And I'll go yeah. back and I'll see those gardens and those people's front yards and see people growing stuff in them. And it just, like, lights me up. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I know that I've yeah. done some service, you know. Mm-hmm. Even though it's, you know, temporary in the large scheme of things, it's, like, it's a little palette for people to create in and, like, gain some inspiration. And, like, that's... And show care for earth for themselves for any of it exactly mm-hmm. exactly it's good for them it's good for the earth it's good for you know getting healthy food good for all of it win 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 mm-hmm. yeah that's sick yeah um you know Annika shout out to Annika I yeah. do a lot of shouting out to Annika on this podcast yeah. for real yes because she gave Annika. me this, pi- this iPad she won she listens no <laughs> she listened to the first episode I think and then I was like good Cool. I couldn't believe she <laughs> Yeah, that's a great Swedish accent. Okay, oh, yeah. Um, she she has a real cool relationship with gardening where I think she grew up watching her dad plant like giant rose gardens. Like he was like really serious about growing roses. He was like a business guy and then also grew these like crazy rose bushes, which is really cool. Yeah. Kind of a cool thing for her to grow up seeing. And so she's always been really naturally kind of gifted at getting things to sprout but she also is really good at leaving things that seem like trash just like in the yard she's like let it stay there also when she's done with food she'll just like throw it seems crazy but she she doesn't really throw anything in the trash just throws everything like in the yard and at some point it either grows or it means that there's like more dirt but she's it's like she just kind of knows what to do and what not to do so she has all these crazy amounts of butterflies and bees, all different types of bees on these plants that weren't supposed to be there that she just left. And she was like, I think these ones should stay. She's also chopped down trees in her lifetime. She's not like, save everything. She's not like a hippie. I don't want to paint her out to be like, that's her type. Um, she's just like, let's trust what happens. Let's see what happens. Uh, and she just attracts all these pollinators and like little rabbits and more of a hands-off approach almost yeah like but she's aware of what yeah she's definitely aware Careful. and she light pays tending. a lot of attention yeah really yeah. light tending and she's like oh i harvested some of these seeds i was like i didn't even know you knew how to do that she grew these like 15 foot sunflowers just uh-huh. by letting them kind of be and making sure that they had what they needed to like get there it was pretty sick that's awesome she didn't even try well, maybe I, she did. I don't know. I don't think she did. <laughs> well, what you said about, like, 
I didn't even know she knew how to do that. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thing because like, mm-hmm. I feel like it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. That I, I was like, I didn't even understand the simplest thing of like a flower and the cycle of like this flower turning into seeds. Right, right, know? right, right. And for every plant is different, but that's kind of the basic thing. Yeah. But it's like we're never taught that stuff in school mm-hmm. unless we have a gardening program or something like that, which I didn't have growing mm-hmm. up. And it's really common sense. And I think, like, everybody mm-hmm. has that that little, that part of you that understands that. Mm-hmm. that. Like, this is a seed, and, like, you collect it at a certain time, and then you replant it. And mm-hmm. So it's very simple. It's very, like, inherent to our nature. And when we, like, engage in that stuff hands-on, we feel good. Mm-hmm. So we're doing good stuff for the earth. I mean, I think in general, just coming from, like, a teacherly perspective now, you know? Yes. Um, <laughs> that hands-on approach is so uh, critical in all things. Like, so I have, so I'm over, like, I teach special ed, and I'm not going to, like, go into detail about what that means, but I basically have, like, small classes, and I have kids who want to do, I mean, wild stuff, like, they're wild. I let them be wild. The kids, like, sit on top of desks. Kids wander around my class. These are just kids who are, like, low-level performing. So they're, mm-hmm. you know, taking, like, regular classes, but they're in, like, low-level performing class with me. And uh, I have weights in my class so that when they start making, like, crazy, like, this stuff that drives all the teachers it's bananas, I, I hand them, like, it's great. <laughs> I hand them weights, and they, like, have they, like, d- literally do, like, little arm curls with them. They say they're getting jacked, but I don't know. Because <laughs> I think that the point, though, is, like, it's in our bodies to, like, want to move. And yeah. it's in our bodies to... It helps. I had one student who was like, I just want to punch someone. And I was like, who do you want to punch? And she was like, I just want to punch anybody. Anybody mess... I just want to punch him. She was just, like, feeling really aggressive. Yeah. And I was like, you can stab this pill as many times as you want. And she ends up hugging it. That's, like, a real thing that happens, wow. like, two weeks ago. It's that thing of, like, giving her the permission to be, like, okay, you can put that energy into something because you clearly need to do something with it. Like, because mm-hmm. if she, is that, as a Richard Rorco, it's, like, pain that is not transformed is transferred. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of the same thing of, like, any aner- energy that's not transformed into something else becomes transferred onto another, like, person. So, she, that was, it's not the same thing, but it is the same thing. It's the idea that, like, we all have these she knows she like knows what she needs to do but she needs somebody to give her like the tools to do it and i think if i'm willing to let her stab a pillow that's not every teacher stab it with a knife or? no like pen or pencil or whatever okay. she has it's like whatever she, she didn't do she that she ended up hugging it she was like she didn't even go through it. the stabbing no she looks at me and she was like and then started squeezing mm-hmm. the pillow so that energy transformed to her yeah she was like clearly wow, i don't have to do this it was just wow. like putting that aggression into being like i'm just going to uh soothe myself is that the self-soothe is that yeah, a thing yeah I think that's a thing yeah so she was like self-soothing instead of aggression. putting that aggression that's amazing yeah so it's but that kind of stuff happens all the time I have kids I who are like you, you have a good therapist thing inside of you I think I've told you this a lot <laughs> but I, I feel like you have a good natural inclination towards being a therapist and mm-hmm. being able to like know intuitively how to guide mm-hmm. a kid you know who's kind of tripping out like that mm-hmm. and like yeah they, their natural impulse is probably what they need to do so like mm-hmm. it's, that's amazing that you have that sort of it's probably a better instinct. place to put it you know there's plenty mm-hmm. of people out there being therapists you know yeah. I think that there's also a lot of people out there being teachers but um so Britta is married mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that her know that. mother-in-law is an 
she's retired. She's an occupational therapist. And a lot of the stuff I learned from reading her Instagram or her Facebook posts all the time, she's like, when a student shows this, she's always talking about elementary school students. Mm -hmm. She always talks about like students' behavior and how we can address it differently. And at first I was like, this is kind of like cheesy, which I like. But then I was like, oh, this is like scientific. Like this is researched. And I know another occupational therapist in my life, sort of the same thing of like, redirecting these energy these like negative feelings we have or like uh reactions that we have or these impulses we have like what are other ways we can be productive with them so mm-hmm. that's where the weights thing came from because i was like if i'm just trying to reduce the sound but he still needs to be moving yeah. and he it has to be something he can do as one hand so he can still like do his work <coughs> in my class you know mm-hmm. so it's like uh identifying yeah like it's great that i can like see those things but if i'm not willing to like do the research and like find alternative things for them to do i also don't work in a montessori school though or like school where this is like the norm right so it's about making sure that i'm still doing it without seeming like a like without losing my job like i don't want to be a wackadoodle like okay we're gonna but i mean i make my kids in the middle of their test like stand up and do stretches if Uh they're getting like antsy in their seats um we do all kinds of all kinds of things that are not probably what I should be doing. I'm not sure. Don't fire wow. me. Wow. No, but, that's great, though. Getting them stretched. Sitting yeah. down is terrible for our health. Yeah. They, I mean, I felt, but I had my first, like, evaluation, like, a week ago, and the teacher comes in, and I have kids sitting long. on desks, I have kids wandering around, I have kids yeah. lying down on the floor. For me, and, like, whatever way they're going to be most receptive, because if somebody had told me on a, also my kids take days off, which just means, like, they'll be like, I can't, um, if they come in and they're just like, they can't today they'll tell you if you listen to them you know and you're like all right have the day off and that just means they don't have to participate they just don't have to raise their hand they don't have to talk yeah by the end of class they're talking and they're participating they want to be a part of it it's just giving them the permission to like deal with their feelings sure not trying to resist them or like push them in any certain way it's just like meet them where they're at let them do their thing and come around naturally yeah but there's the same sort of thing as like all those things that are already inside of us we have to like look at them and see them for what they are or it creates a society of like people who are not just depressed but repressed like people who don't even know how to access those tools on their own and it's cool that they're adults or like getting therapy it's not enough though because you have all these kids who are still growing up with all these tools like too many things going on Hmm. so there's like they have ipad iphone the ear pod bud thing <laughs> I can't remember what it's called yeah. <laughs> TV and then there's 50 speakers and they want to do all these their attention is so sprawled that if you hand them something and you're like look at this like the earth yeah suddenly they're like oh I, I have to touch it it's gonna get me dirty I guess I have to like do this right. you know this I mean it's not the same thing as school but there's some that's same I think putting the energy somewhere different is important. It reminds me of what you were talking about with your mom kind of having that hands-off approach to just letting things grow. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's like. Another great <laughs> quote from that same advisor I was talking about earlier. He said, <laughs> I'm not... He said he like grew, some, grew a tree or something and his neighbor was like, wow, you really have a green thumb. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't have a green thumb. I know how to get my thumb out of the way. And I said, there's a Zen parable for you right there. <laughs> That's great. That's a lot of what it is, you know. Yeah, and the for same sure. with like development of kids and ourselves and all those things. It's great. So I have two I mean it's getting late, so I'm gonna Oh yeah, I have a okay. question for you. Oh uh, do you wanna ask it first or do you want me to ask my two questions first? You ask your question first. Okay. I'll bring this back at the end. This so I won't forget. Okay, so the first one 
is just a note about fishing. It just says, let's talk about it. And I also put Jesus in because that was my source of inspiration for wanting to learn how to fish. Not kidding. It'd be a fisher of men, right? No, the thing about if you teach, I don't even know if it's a Jesus thing, but I I associate it. If you teach a man to fish, he'll be fed for life or whatever. I don't even know what the What? is your experience with fishing. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you told me that you went fishing yeah. a couple of years ago and you learned how to fish. So, so this is that. First of all, I'm going to say I understand that Alabama has a storied history. It is yeah. an incredibly complex state with a lot of complex people in it. I will say this because I didn't understand anything about Alabama before I went there to, like I didn't understand, I didn't, I didn't know anything good came out of Alabama except for the story of Forrest Gump and the few people I knew from there, Brian Brown, Amanda Poss, like the few, few people that yeah. I, you know, and even that was like, no, none of you had anything nice to say about Alabama. You spent most of the time I've known you trashing Alabama. Really? Yes. God. Yeah, hardcore, like anti, I can't accept that I'm from this dumb place that's like the attitude and i'm not saying that's how you feel now i think we have some forgiveness also but a lot of it is jonathan's grandparents have a house that they built that jonathan helped build as a little kid um on orange beach on the bayou in orange beach alabama which is at the very bottom of alabama next Uh to florida we went down there one time and we drove all like through mobile and then all the way down by and I couldn't believe how freaking lush it was. It's one of the most it biodiverse was, places in the country. It you get was, some funny reactions in California telling people I'm from Alabama. People outright laugh and start laughing at me. I'm like, that's kind of rude. <laughs> right. Well, and a lot of it, too, is, is Jonathan would then say, like, yeah, Alabama or Mobile has a high, I don't know, something about the rain compared to Seattle, second rainiest city in America or something. What is it, Jonathan? It's second from Seattle. Second rainiest city in America. Yeah, most of the rainiest. I had never been there, never done any of this stuff, and Jonathan grew up, like, he doesn't fish now because he's vegan, but at the time, he was like, oh, you've never been fishing before? But we went down to Orange Beach, and Uh I learned how to fish, and the feeling of, like, waiting, Uh and then catching it, and then being like, I mean, we didn't cook it and eat it. I don't know. Croaker? And what? Mostly they're hard little headed, guys. Hard-headed catfish. Well, yeah. There are uh, trout, um, walleye. Oh, uh, so y'all were lake fishing or river fishing? Uh, Bayou. Brackish. Okay. Yeah. So it's like where the ocean and the rivers kind of meet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dolphins. Okay. And shrimp. And we went shrimping. Literally, wow. so great. We did eat shrimp that we caught, but it's not. Incredible. But we'd use the shrimp to catch the fish. So it was like a whole, and uh-huh. it it was just an interesting experience in patience and. Oh yeah. Really trying to be like okay, really trying to pay attention to the water and where things are happening right. and the conditions that create yeah. that little mm-hmm. place where a fish might be. You got things yeah. like the fish, mm-hmm. the depth. Yeah, it's how, real. How deep and the fish. The how, temperature. The temperature, yeah. huge, mm-hmm. light, everything. The full moon, mm-hmm. full moon where fish come out, mm-hmm. they get more active. It's an insane hobby. It's so cool. Yeah. So you ate cool. the shrimp, though? Yeah, but we didn't, I didn't ever caught a big fish, but I don't care. It was still really cool. That's what's up. Yeah. But they have a lot of people, John's grandparents' neighbor catches fish, and we did eat one of his fish. 
Nice. Yeah. It was a red snapper or something. Snapper? Maybe. Was it Pompano? Pompano. That's what Pompano. it was. Yeah. It's cool. Was it good? Yeah. It was really good. <laughs> Yeah, he's a good fisherman, though, that guy. Yeah. He has a big boat, though, I think. And yeah. Like, expensive equipment. He's got good stuff, though. Yeah. It's amazing what a sport it is. Yeah. I, I really didn't realize that. It's just like, throw a lure in the water, and you catch something on a hook, and bring it on. What's the deal? But it's amazing the amount of, like, different variables and factors that go into it. Mm-hmm. I've fished more the past month than I'd fished in my entire life up until then. It's wild. It's really wild. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But I actually started catching stuff, finally. In, like, the most unlikely place in this, like, really fast-flowing river that's, like, super shallow. Mm-hmm. But you'd find, like, that one little gully behind a rock. And I had this one spot that I'd go to, and I went there the first time, like, on a full moon. It was, like, dark. And I was, like, baiting up in the dark. You can, like, barely see what I was doing. I was <laughs> give up. I was just like, fuck it, this is going to work, you know? Mm-hmm. had no idea. And then I started, like, throwing in with the worms. And I was just getting bites and bites and bites and bites. Mm-hmm. I pulled out this, like beautiful trout eventually wow and then yeah you gotta kill it so that was Mm -hmm. like kind of gnarly and you don't have to kill it but i wanted to eat it so i yeah that makes sense took it home and figure out how to gut it and Mm -hmm. ate it the next day and it was like it's freaking phenomenal yeah it's freaking phenomenal but um yeah fishing is the bomb yeah i got addicted to it for a while Mm -hmm. i would do it almost every day i was just like and then it got to the point of like never catching anything (laughs) (laughs) because like it seemed like right at the fall equinox i was like so like green to Mm -hmm. fishing but it seemed like right at the fall equinox it kind of like drastically fell off that's how much they were Uh biting we got a little cooler days got shorter yeah um yeah, it's just amazing. It was like, I get a few bites here and there, but like nothing too much. But I caught this like four or five pound sucker fish, a white sucker fish. And I thought it was, I mean, like, I'm, I, did, I thought it was a trout when I first caught it. And I like just took it home and I was like, yeah, I got this big trout. <laughs> the lady I was living with was like, this is not a trout. Like, <laughs> look at his face and his color. And I'm like, oh. We figured out it was a sucker fish and it was edible. And I cooked it up and ate it after a few days and it was like the most amazing fried yeah. fish oh my god it was so good um but should I talk about my my deer experience yeah this is this is true foraging so this includes like fruits you have like yeah. tools that you use to forage fruits in Berkeley and around the Bay Area right and then true you do this. like mushroom foraging and then now is it roadkill foraging roadkill also do a lot of like acorn foraging right now acorn foraging acorns nuts chestnuts hazelnuts it's like nut season right now so nuts like black walnuts nuts. white walnuts all the things but um but and then roadkill i had been forage. wanting to uh harvest the deer for a long time um because i enjoy eating meat particularly like red meat and I've wanted to, like, get into eating some venison, mm-hmm. um, which I've gotten to do recently, but someone, like, gave me some venison burgers um, in North Carolina, but anyways. These are, like, ones that they... That they had harvested. Yeah. Not for resale. Totally illegal to sell these, to sell wild <laughs> meat. Right. Um, I gave her some raw milk in exchange, which is also illegal. Uh, uh-huh. They do that <laughs> a lot at the farmer's market. The organic farmers, they'll yeah. have, like, they have, like, a secret. Secret uh, exchange. You can't consume raw milk. It's illegal yeah, to consume for milk. humans. It's ridiculous. Our raw milk got tested, and it was like completely 
devoid of any kind of like E. coli or any other like contaminants that like mm-hmm. regular milk that's pasteurized is allowed to have like a certain amount of that stuff. Yeah. The raw milk was like fractional and all those yeah. things like ridiculously clean. Anyways. Yeah, I've been wanting to harvest a deer for a while and I'd like tried it a couple of times and failed. And I was driving down the road like two hours ago. And it was funny because I saw this deer crossing sign with those yellow signs. And uh-huh. it stuck out in my head. Um, Just wait here. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, <laughs> and like right after I saw that sign, I looked over on the other side of the interstate. And there's a huge deer like on the far median just laid out. It wasn't huge. Actually. A dead like, one. Yeah, a dead deer has been hit. Deceased. And then I kept driving a little bit. And I'm like, I think I need to go back for that. And I saw another one that was on like the intermediate. And I was, and that's why another one, it was like way old. These two were fresh, but like they were kind of far away from each other. So not necessarily a family, but like they were definitely both fresh. Yeah. So I hit a UE on the interstate, drove past the one that was in the middle. Cause I knew it was going to be too sketchy to like drag across right? and too sketchy to harvest right there on the interstate. But the other one was near like kind of a wooded area. Uh-huh. And so I was like, all right. So I pulled over, turned the car off. Got some gloves. Got a, I had my pocket knife. I drugged the deer like behind. You just did it with a pocket knife. Yes, not not recommended. Wait, pause. Okay. Also, I know is it illegal to harvest a roadkill deer in California? Yes, absolutely. What about in and Carolinas? I've been for it in the Carolinas, I don't think it is. I was in South Carolina, so I'm not 100. percent There's no rules there. Probably no rules. No, there's really no really. Yeah, too. yeah. It's it's great. But, okay, just I was just wondering about that. Because I want to know, sure. if a cop pulled you over, definitely and you were that. just, like, slicing. Yeah, like, the... get, like, people are just passing by, and you're, like, cutting open this animal. It's it's, it's pretty intense. Right. But I, I pulled yeah. it behind a bunch of brush, and no one mm-hmm. can see me necessarily. But I was definitely wary of, like, my car being parked there on the side of the interstate. Yeah. And being noticed. So I did it very quickly. Um, but the pocket knife was not the best move. Getting through the skin was sure. by far the hardest thing. And I thought I was going to be able to get through for a minute. But once I was through the skin, like, I just harvested the back strap. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, one of the better parts of the meat, to my understanding. And uh, it's easy to get to. Mm-hmm. And um, bagged it up, put it on ice, and it's in the trunk right now. Chilling. But, like, you know, set a prayer for the deer. and like, uh, Of course. Of course. Like, yeah. For real, for no, real. no, no. I'm not. I'm saying it's a blessing that it, that it was there yeah, for you, you know? Like, it's incredible to, like, see that yeah. life form and be like, yo, you were alive not too long ago. Like, this yeah. was... This was a pretty warm one. Yeah. And he had been hit in the face, which was ideal oh, as far as harvesting good. goes. Very sure. Because um, it's very common to not be able to get the meat, apparently. Yeah. Because it's just ruined. Because they get hit right in the middle a lot, probably. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was a blessing and just like kind of saying, saying a little prayer for it and, mm-hmm. and being like, well, you know, I'm really grateful for your meat and like hopefully my my people will be able to get back to your, your kind at some point. Mm-hmm. So. Hopefully we'll feed some deer some acorns at some point or something. That's nice. Yeah. Like it's a gray it's a gray area with roadkill. I think that's because it's like a dead thing though. This is why I wouldn't be I can't I would never subscribe to a vegan lifestyle. Not that I could subscribe to any lifestyle, but specifically like I would be like, Yeah, eat roadkill. It's already dead and it's already given its life. If it is our fault that it's dead probably. But yeah, but it already happened and that's part of it was like living in California meeting this like farmer I'd go I did like a photo shoot or something with one of the girls from Just Stools and went to this farm and the guy was like 
oh, yeah, these are my chickens, and they'll only give eggs for about three years, and one day we'll kill them. Well, uh-huh. you know, and and I was like, you're going to eat them? And he was like, yeah, of course. And he was like, they've given so much to us, and I can only, you know, they'll continue to give to us, and we'll continue to give to, to their, I would rather, you know, know where where they're going and they're going to be with us. And I was like, oh, like, but I knew a lot of, I worked for an organic farmer just like selling produce at a farmer's market on random Saturdays. Oh, Shout out cute. to Rogers Greens and Roots Organic Farm. Yeah, she's baller. She's like yeah. the coolest person on the planet. <laughs> Not kidding. She's straight up amazing. Yeah. But I worked for her every now and then and um, I learned a lot from this, like the way, the, the, just the people at the market, how they communicate and how they talk and all the things they're talking about. But I just, I don't, I mean, roadkill to me is like, no. it's already there. Like, why wouldn't you eat it? I think it's a, probably sure. the best food to eat is roadkill. But I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the, just eating more like wild meats too, mm-hmm. as opposed to like big fatty cows, which mm-hmm. I also love that kind of meat, but um, just recognizing the health benefits of this been wild its whole life. Mm-hmm. It's like that meat is definitely superior. Mm-hmm. And that's just where I'm at on my journey right now. I've definitely been vegan before, definitely been vegetarian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll do vegan weeks every once in a while, too, just mm-hmm. to, like, get back into it. The thing that trips me out about it is, like, almost wrapping back to, like, spirituality. Mm-hmm. is like, almost all spiritual traditions have some form of not eating animal products. Totally. Built into it. Yeah. Not necessarily always. Right. But at least, like, most traditions have a time of the year they don't eat animal products. Mm-hmm. They have fasting built in to their, that's a whole different thing. But um, there's something about eating like being plant-based this mm-hmm. very sp- spiritual spiritual feeling or makes me feel very light in a certain way and it's mm-hmm. very nice and then also like wrapping back to the mental health part i feel like eating meat has been a huge help in my mental health as well as far as like getting nutrients that i needed that mm-hmm. I, I was missing for a long time mm-hmm. i think like eating like healthy amounts of like good meat has been huge mm-hmm. um and also, like, trying not to eat from factory farms. Mm-hmm. Most of the times I'm eating beef that's from cows that have been, like, rotationally grazed. And, like, knowing exactly where those farms are and who those farmers are. Mm-hmm. And knowing that those cows, like, were helping regenerate the land rather than, like, being this giant, like, methane-producing machine. Mm-hmm. They are actually, like, helpful to the earth. And they had their yeah. one bad day where they died. But it's a big, like, ethical thing because it's, like, it's trippy. They wouldn't exist unless they were there to be eaten. Mm. their lives are like created for the sake of that mm. and they would die in nature too they're not going to live forever like mm-hmm. something would come and like viciously kill them or they would die of disease or mm-hmm. starvation or whatever it is but um yeah it's a, it's a tricky thing there's not a black and white answer to it it's mm. great I only have one last question, only because it's oh, yeah. bedtime so. yeah, yeah I gotta <laughs> like, drive another hour too. oh so. no okay yeah. um we kind of touched on this a little bit. I'm glad we got that, like, little snippet, though, and the roadkill bit, too. Um, <laughs> Thanks for letting me talk about that. I no, I love that story. And honestly, I have, because I have really complicated, the the only thing, just to put this in there, the only thing that I, the issue is, is that, like, the idea of, like, causing suffering to another, like, living thing, mm-hmm. which we do all the time to other people in our lives and don't realize, like, mm-hmm. the extent to how harmful that is, but we're like, uh oh. But with, like, an animal, it's a question of, like, is it, what part of it is the suffering? Like, what part of it is our, I don't know, 
Because, like, are they suffering just because we kill them? I think factory farming, obviously, they are suffering. I suffering think the whole time. I think they're not I'm suffering sure always when the farmer chops the head off of his chicken and his chicken is dead and then he eats it and he's grateful, you know? Right. I think it is different. But I'm also not, you know, I don't know anything about anything. I'm not a th- theologian, so. Okay. <laughs> um, so this just says, your, return to your southern roots. That uh-huh. sounds, like, so cheesy, but it's a real thing, because uh-huh. just to give a little bit backstory on you, you grew up in Alabama uh-huh. and then moved after graduating college, right? In Georgia. In Georgia. Oh, yeah, you went to Georgia, and then, you, and then graduated college, and then moved to California. Bay Area. Bay Area, California. <laughs> right. So then, and again, like we said in the beginning, like, kind of resistant to this Definitely hated the word hippie. You were like really anti the word hippie. Also, I remember all these things about myself. Really anti the word hippie, anti southern. Like you were like (laughs) anti. I mean, you. I think you used to be a lot just more like. I think it's natural for like a young man in his twenty, like early twenties, to have a lot of aggression because there's so much that you you've been in this process for so long that you didn't really have a lot of decision making in. Yeah. And then when you're kind of out of it, you're like. Oh, what? And then you freak out. Yeah. So, okay. Anyway, Southern Roots Return. I said, what did that, what did the culture, Southern culture feed you that you were aware of at the time? Mm -hmm. Maybe more like negative. Mm -hmm. And then what did it feed you that you only became aware of later? Like what, what did you take from like your, whether it was your childhood or like the culture of the South that is now you can kind of like look at and appreciate that fed you and you just didn't even like. You didn't even you know ready you're a fish it. in the water. You're just a fish. Just a so, <laughs> the number one thing I love about Southern culture right now is driving past people, strangers, and waving. <laughs> I really work to keep that alive. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's so strange. Yeah. And so normal. Uh-huh. That's so, that's what I love about it is like the culture of like just kind of like being normal. Like I'm kind of like <laughs> craving normal now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. After being in the Bay Area, where there's no, there's no culture. There's so much culture that there's no cultural norms at right. all. Right. It's just a big mishmash of random, not random, but like just so many people, and like you just never know like what's going on. You know, yeah. there's, there's no like waving at people like randomly when you're driving. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? So <laughs> just start doing it. I, me and my friend tried it once. We had a giant crab claw. That was part of a <laughs> Halloween costume. It was Steve. <laughs> Jonathan was uh, in jail with him once. Oh, <laughs> this is a bring that full circle. Dope. Yeah. Yeah, I should kick it with Steve a pretty good bit. Shout out to Steve. Shout out to Steve. Shout out to Crosby. Crosby. Yeah, Sorry. I, I, yeah. It's hard for me to remember to call him that, but shout out to this him. This is preferred. And he was one I was drinking LaCroix with fishing. What? Yeah. You left that out. I forgot about that. Tell him hello. He lived with me for a very short amount of time. One month, remember? Yeah, yeah, I remember. That's where I met him. Or I met him a little before that. I think when he got arrested with Jonathan. So I really kicked it with him. Yeah, we were were riding around Berkeley with a crab claw that he had as a part of a Halloween costume, waving at people. Mm -hmm. Some people loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Some people didn't. Okay. But, yeah, I like that about Southern culture, like, just kind of the friendliness and, like, kind of the safety of, like, being in an established culture, of, like, people being kind of slow and mm-hmm. sort of nice in a way. And then mm-hmm. there's, like, that kind of, that darker side of that ni- niceness where, you know, people, like, aren't as, like, genuine mm-hmm. at times. And people can also be really, really genuine. It really depends on the people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely miss that 
that cultural piece, just the niceness. That's something, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Something Mm -hmm. looking back when I lived my brief stint in California was that people would say that a lot, like that, or when people leave the South, a lot of times people would be like, people just like aren't authentic. And I'm like, are you sure? Like, how do you, are you the authority on authenticity? Every person who's ever been nice to you has not been nice to you. Is that is that right. true? As if that's not a it's like, just because you were in right. high school in the South, any high school anywhere in all of America is going to be like that. And yeah. there are people who, once you turn around, they'll be like, she, look what she's wearing, bless her heart. Like, that thing is real. And also there's people who are like, her mama just died, bless her heart. And they mean it. They yeah. really mean it. Love you know? Sweetness. It's not always fake just because some people are fake. Just, you know, right. there's a lot more to it than that. So There's some beautiful things about It's cool culture. to get mad at where you're from, I think. Yeah, I think everyone does that. Dorothy, you know? For sure, for sure. What was the other part of that question? Um, What was bad about it, or...? What what was not, like, bad or good? It's more of, like, what did the culture feed you that you were aware of at the time, like, Uh, that you were really resistant toward, basically? And uh, then now that you're, like, an adult, looking back, being like, I had sort of freedom to run around, or... Yeah, being being connected with nature, kind of, like, taking that for granted, I think. Mm-hmm. Did not happen. <laughs> I just remembered when you, <laughs> like a bullet, and you and Ben were in the woods or something, and you ha- like. Yeah, you're talking ha- about me and my little brother. Yeah, yeah we're sorry. Like, I just we weren't remember. in the woods, we were in his room. Oh, okay. And we smashed a shotgun shell with a hammer. Yeah. Because I had this harebrained idea of wanting to extract <laughs> the gunpowder to probably make a bomb or something, which would be really questionable. Um, looking out of context. But we were little kids, and we smashed <laughs> that shotgun shell, and it exploded like, <laughs> in our faces, luckily in the other direction, towards the carpet, leaving this, like, massive stain in the carpet of, like, where the bullets went out. But, uh, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> it's not perfect, that shit was just, I just remembered it, it was funny. That's a good one. Um, yeah, what yeah, the guess, culture feed you, basically. The, I guess, like, yeah, the, the amazing part of just coming back and being, like, in the forest like all the time pretty much Mm -hmm. when I'm like actually back in Alabama it's like so beautiful to me like my freaking soul like lights up just in like even just seeing like even just seeing like a YouTube video of like Alabama sometimes or Mm -hmm. in California and I'm like whoa like the color of those trees like it does something to me it's really amazing so yeah that's one thing it feeds me and just like family you know Mm -hmm. like family's here and there's something it's 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 amazing to kind of come back to the roots. I'm definitely a very rebellious person, and I've always been very um, almost contrary to like whatever's going on. Almost. So it's like almost. Yeah, yeah. Like I moved okay. to California and I became like a Bible thumping farmer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. This is great. You know. Um, so I don't know. Took a little while though, because you're took a little while. that rebellion is definitely contrary. Again, like, you like to live yeah. on the fringes, or, like, is it was always there just waiting to... You had to come to it on your own, just like Dorothy. You basically are Dorothy. From the Wizard of Oz? Yeah, that's her entire thing. She literally says it was all... It was in her backyard all along. She just uh, didn't... Like, all the people that she loved, everything that mattered to her was all... It was right there, but she but had she to go on... She so far away to She get had it. to go on the hero's journey to appreciate... Wow. Not just... It's more than appreciate. She had to become the person that could that was going to serve that place as well Got kansas it. the farm i'll bring this back to the plants as kind of a bookend mm-hmm. i think that's a lot a lot some herbalists a lot of herbalists will say all the medicine you need is growing in your backyard mm-hmm. like we have this 
mentality of wanting exotic things mm-hmm. all the time, wanting the turmeric from Hawaii and this and that. We can grow turmeric here. But we don't necessarily need all the exotic things. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's all right here. And that's like establishing that sense of place and like being able to love where you're from and like have a root mm-hmm. somewhere and know that like your needs are taken care of. Like having like mm-hmm. faith that like everything's right here that you need. Mm-hmm. So that's a good good segue with the Wizard of Oz. What a great, great story. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any other last minute random shout outs? Any people you want to name drop? Any books <laughs> that you didn't uh, mention yet? Snap. I say shout out to Matt Sherling just casually, just yeah. in case. You say shout out to Matt Sherling at every podcast. <laughs> I would, I've mentioned it probably like three of the six that have happened. This oh, would be number seven. To Matt Sherling, seven sure. is holy number. <laughs> I always think about Matt when I highlight the number seven. Not kidding. Always, because he always says uh-huh. seven the holy number. He always said that. I, don't I even saw know him in L.A. a few, few months ago. Or last year, last December. Of course. Yeah, that's dope. Love him. Um, shout outs to the people I was just living with in Asheville. That was amazing. Um, and yeah, shout outs to all those communities in Asheville. They're all like really great. I'm trying to think of some resources to shout out, though. Back to Eden is an amazing documentary. If you want to see some inspiring stuff about permaculture that I really like, that also ties in some like obscure Christian concepts. <laughs> is that on Back the to internet? On YouTube, yeah, that definitely was like Jonathan a big inspiration. Back my, to Eden. Yeah, I got to visit that guy's farm in Washington a few years ago, and it was freaking phenomenal. Um, Joel Salatin, I love to listen to about permaculture and life and farming and all that stuff. And yeah, I gave out my Instagram, healingecosystems.com. <laughs> Just in really case important. we missed it the other two times. <laughs> I said it two Third times. Third time's the charm. I have a horrible memory. <laughs> no, it's good. God, it's... I need this lion's mane. Yeah, you need a supplementation. Um, that's the, the biggest change of Jonathan's life for the last six months. What? Getting into mushrooms. Really? Yeah, eating them. He, he took him a long time, especially as a vegan, uh, you would think he'd be eating mushrooms this whole time. But right? What's his go Got him on that tip. Mm-hmm. Oh no! You mean in general, like type of mushroom? Yeah. We only really buy the ones that are at the farmers market, so. Shiitakes. Yeah, and then there's some. Is that oyster uh, lion's mane? Yeah, lion's mane. We bought oyster mushrooms, but they went bad before we even got to eat them. Oysters are hella good. Have you ever tried growing them before? Mm-hmm. Oysters are hella easy. We could do you that. Do it. Yeah, grab them, like put them on coffee grounds. Yeah. Freaking Ooh. cash crop. So we'll sell them to our neighbors illegally. Well, you get, like, way more than you need, though. You can, yeah. You eat, like, a Dry them out, freaking powder. We have a what's it called? Dehydrator. Y'all do? I got it from for his birthday. Shoot, a good July first. Mm-hmm. He's a broken cancer though. He doesn't work. Huh? <laughs> he never cries. <laughs> Literally not once. <laughs> That's what's up. Good. <laughs> he just keeps it all contained. Yes. Dude, I think my emotions are broken, too. I said goodbye to that family today, and I thought I was going to, like, ball my eyes out. I didn't cry at all. Like, it was weird. It wasn't, like, holding it back, either. Yeah, it'll come. Yeah, it will. Yeah. yeah. Everything comes in time. Yeah. We'll deal with our stuff. That's some wise words of wisdom for you. <laughs> any other, any other like, goodbye things you need to say? No, just thanks for having me on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that was great. Um, love it. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Usually, oh, um, what do I usually say? You oh, call one? your mom or someone else's mom. If you don't have a mom, oh, you can call mine. Okay, bye. <laughs>
yours. Yeah, but I don't think it is in tune. It is. It is. It's perfectly in tune. <laughs> it's not me. I said, you must know the answer. She said, no, but I'll give it a try. And to this day, we've been living our way. Here is the reason why. We blew up the TV. Blew up the TV. Threw away the paper. Threw away the paper. Went to the country. Built us a 